Hey everybody, Brett here with the Indie Comics Dispatch, and boy oh boy do we have a show for you. If you've been paying attention, we've been trying to limit our recent shows to an hour to make it more digestible in podcast format. But the amount of knowledge that was dropped in this episode, we just had to extend it. So this episode is an hour and 30 minutes, but it is all top quality content that you're going to want to listen to. Get your pen and paper ready because this is Ask an Expert Night and our guests Jibamalay Anderson, Keith and Jones, and Robert Jeffrey II really, really uh, went to town on the expert advice that they gave during this episode. As always, broadcast from the Dispatch's first a live stream show. We broadcast most Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Indie Comics Dispatch uh, Facebook and YouTube channels. We also have a Patreon, and we'd love your support. Patreon.com slash IndieComicsDispatch. You can support us there for as little as $3 a month. Plus, when you support us, you get all sorts of free perks, behind-the-scenes content, and bonus questions answered by our guests. Since you're listening to this on podcast, like, rate, subscribe, and share the podcast. Really, truly, I say this every week, but it does so much good for us and our rankings within the podcast community. So if you could do that, we would really, really appreciate it. Without any further ado, here's this week's episode of Broadcast from the Dispatch. Batch, ask an expert. This is Scorpio Chronicles, your host for Kickstarter Connection. Join me on Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for the latest and the greatest on indie comics and the creative teams that are behind them. See you on Tuesday. Stay positive, test negative. Hey everybody, this is Brett with the Indie Comics Dispatch and broadcasting from an undisclosed location deep within the Milky Way galaxy. This is broadcast from the Dispatch. What's going on? What's going on? Ah, doing all right, doing all right. Uh, Glad to be back. Another Wednesday. We missed missed you last week. You were off talking about uh, something you have going on right now. I was off talking about my Kickstarter on uh, Homebrew's show. Um, So Cypher Team issue one. It's on Kickstarter right now. Um, Links, you can find them in my social media bio. Um, Or you can go to links.cybercomics.com to get to it. Right now, we're about $305 away from the next stretch goal, which is 2000 So hopefully we'll get there before the days are up. Um, but it's doing well. I appreciate everybody who has backed. Um, I think a lot of these individuals, I can start calling super backers, my like the silver super backers, because they're always there. <laughs> like for every Kickstarter, they've all come back. So, really? um, so I appreciate them coming back. I mean, you can't, you know, you you want the big numbers, but I mean, I gotta say, I'm grateful for the individuals who've come back to every Kickstarter that I've done. So that's dope. That that's a, that says more to me than anything. So, um, but yeah, what's that? What's that? What was your first Kickstarter? Uh, my first Kickstarter was Temple High. 
So I did that Kickstarter, uh, which is for, you know, the title that talks about the youth of the silver, mm-hmm. the individuals who have powers and everything like that. That was the first one. Uh, the second one was in Yamo Stigmata issue one and issue two, which I learned from that to never do that again. That's the reason why I split up Cypher Team. <laughs> so I'm doing Cypher Team issue one and uh, uh, issue two after issue one is done. Um, and uh, the third one was Stars, which actually had like like shattered personal records. Like I had my own, you know, my the most backers for that one, the most amount raised. So I mean that that was just dope, you know. Um so yeah, so yeah, it's been crazy. This week's been nothing but shows. Like it's, it's like since Thursday has been nothing but shows. Yeah, but it's it's crazy. It's crazy. So I've been um in between that and getting some stuff ready to ship out. Got something that's coming to you. That I'm pretty sure you're going to be uh, ready to. You're probably going to talk about this when you talk about the. Uh, yeah. Well, and I, I got Kickstarter awards yeah. this week from um, um, was Wingless Comics from their um, mm-hmm. all issue one. So I got my yep. justice tonight. I got that too. I, I read it last night. I think I finished reading it, or the or, or the, the or the night before. But yeah, it's a pretty good read. So speaking of raising money, uh, if you're out there thinking, hey, we like what they do, we want them to keep doing it, we have a Patreon just for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com Comics Dispatch, if you're listening to this in the podcast and you can't see it on the screen, that CS of comics is replaced by <laughs> Indie Comics Dispatch. Um, go there, you can support us for as little as $3 a month. We're trying to get up to 20 Patreon, patrons um, within the next little bit here. That'll kind of allow us to start doing some really cool things. Um, so stuff that other people aren't really doing so we we are looking to get it up to 20 we have our tent we got we're going to schedule our D game with scorpio we're not yep. letting that um, yeah we're just not telling him because he's going to disappear so <laughs> so <laughs> so um gosh i i have been looking forward to tonight's guest lineup for a while now yeah um, and if you <laughs> brian where's my D night it's coming, it's coming it's coming is he are, are you gonna is brian gonna be joining us he's joining us for that right are you joining us for that brian brian um i am right here from facebook user i don't I, that's probably uh scorpio yeah scorpio um, he's trying to be sneaky <laughs> so tonight we have um ask an expert and i we have three gentlemen on the show tonight um who have done just tremendous things with indie comics um we were just talking one of our guests we were talking about before the show is included in a, a smithsonian institute at the african-american mm-hmm. art of, um at the center of the smithsonian it was just really freaking cool um so i'm excited to get to them but let me say if you're out there watching this and you have lots of questions um ask them and this is your chance to ask yeah. them we try to get to as many questions as we have we've had some submitted beforehand um but we we do try to keep the show to an hour so don't wait till the last 10 minutes to ask your question because nope. we might not get to it exactly because um, well some of those answers may be long so yeah i'm, I'm thinking some of the answers to the pre-submitted questions are going to be kind of long yeah. um but we'll find out um so get those questions in the comment section right now and we'll be sure to get to them oh, yeah. um, so uh, without any further ado, I'll get to introducing our guests. Cool. Uh, first up, because he's first on my bio sheet, um, we have Jivamola Anderson, the CEO and creative director of Grio Enterprises, a publishing company slash visual communication studio. Anderson is the creator of The Horseman and curator of the Four Pages, 16 Bars, a visual mixtape anthology series. 
volume six is currently on Kickstarter right now at about mm -hmm. 80% funded, I think. Um, and he is an expert in print design, publishing and branding. Anderson has worked as a graphic designer and art director for companies such as Onyx Path Publishing, the Smithsonian National Museum of African Art, and Rogue Matter. Chippa, welcome back. Hey, thanks for bringing me back on. No problem. I, I loved my one-on-one -on -one interview with you. And um, when when I was kind of polling um, to see who we should have on the show as an expert, you were a no-brainer choice. So <laughs> thank you for taking the time to be here, man. Definitely, definitely. Next up, we have Mr. Keith and Jones. He's the founder and owner of Kid Comics, an independent publisher based in San Diego, California, San Diego. Um, the mantra behind Kid is the kid in you never dies. It is a constant reminder that our childhood spirit is the core of who we really are, no matter how old we get. Isn't that so true? In 2015, Jones established Kid Comics and his first publication, The Power Knights, which he originally created in 1982 as a child. I was only creating dirty diapers in 1982, Keithan. Um, <laughs> regularly featured since childhood creations, the Power Night at conventions around the country. Um, read the Power Nights at kid-comics.com. Keithan, yeah. welcome. Welcome, Keithan. Yeah, yeah, nice to meet you, gentlemen. You as well. I, I think I was kicking my mother's stomach in 82. That's what I was doing. Wow. I was inside kicking the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, I think I think we uh, met before at MechaCon, but I do know you're one of the first like black yeah, comics that. Mm -hmm. um, see it, Keith, but I have a Power Knights and poster right mm -hmm. up above me, and I have like I think all four books. Like the Meta book stuff, right? What's that? You did like the Meta yeah. I had I had the one mech story. Uh, Arisha Exos was the one mech story oh, yeah, that I had, yeah. but since then, like I I I breathed life life into four other titles so all the ones i had on my my uh ipad that was coming soon they're they're here now <laughs> they're here now but yeah you were so this kind of a geek out moment for me because you were actually one of like one of the individuals that i was looking at whenever i first kind of stepped into there so this is kind of a geek out moment for me wow. you know to yeah. be able to talk to you up here so that's difficult well coming along <laughs> And finally this evening, we had Mr. Robert Jeffrey II. He is in my hometown of Atlanta. Um, he's a freelance writer who has worked for such clients as DC Comics, the Center for Disease Control. Sometimes those are one and the same. Um, and Nitto Tires? Tires? Yeah. He's the co-writer of Radio Free America, the writer of Retcon, Changa and the Jade Obelisk, the creator-writer of of the Whiff Award-winning nominated Route 3, Volume 1, co-creator writer of The Crossing, and the creator writer of Mind to Avenge, the Book of Layla. He contributed to the Dark Universe, The Bright Empire, H Gunshots, and the Scribes of Neota prose anthologies. He has also written for tabletop RPG game production companies, such as New Agenda Publishing and Son of Oak. He's a graduate of the 2017 DC Comics New Talent Writers Workshop and is currently the editor-in-chief BlackSciFi.com. You can reach him at www.robertkjeffrey.com. Robert, welcome, sir. Hey, what's going on? And in 1982, I was born on the south side of Chicago, so we were talking about 82. <laughs> <laughs> so, see, so I wasn't the only one who was a baby or embryo. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I was, I was born, born on Super Bowl Sunday in, in oh, the south man. side of Chicago. Yeah. Um, oh, 
parents barely made it to the uh, hospital because they had had a party the night before, but that's my life. (laughs) (laughs) That must have been a conflicting moment. They're like, hey, we're about to make a touchdown. Oh, I'm a Yeah. The the ultimate touchdown was the birth of their first child, hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) You know what? That's exactly what it is. Keep playing that even if they don't. <laughs> exactly. You know where I was when my my uh, daughter was born. I was literally right in the uh, what was it? I was in the theater watching the second Transformers movie oh, when wow. I got a page or text from my wife saying her water had broken. I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> and I had left my car at my friend's house. <laughs> so, oh man! Not to make any noise in the theater, mm-hmm. you know. Hey, can I borrow your car? Can I borrow your car? <laughs> with the guys, you know, with the guys at Penguin. So that was every time I see that movie or hear about that or see Transformers, I think of that day. Yeah, nice, nice, as well. So, gentlemen, uh, let's let's get down to it. We've done the introductions. If you have anything you want to say at any point, just feel free to to pop in. All three of you can answer a question, or if you feel one person sums it up well. Um, that's perfect. Um, we can just go with that one answer too. But the more answers, the better, because we got we got people watching. Again, if you're out there watching, go ahead and drop your questions for these gentlemen in the comments now. We'll try to get to them all before the end of the show, um, as long as um, it's appropriate, I guess. Um, <laughs> make it about indie comics, right? Like, make it about indie comics. Um, so, um, I love this question, and I think it's it's important to the indie comic industry as a whole right now. Um, what makes someone a professional in the field of indie comics? If somebody buys your work, you're a professional. Like that? There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's. I was gonna yeah. say, yeah. That's. It's as simple as that. I mean, if you, if you can get your script from actually from a script stage to a published work, and then sell it, <laughs> that's that's the. You know, that's the biggest thing that I always tell writers is that, you know, we can go to comic book conventions and try to sell scripts if we want to, but that's not going to happen, you know, unless people are looking for your work like that. But at least for for writers, you need a completed work um, because the best we can draw is stick figures sometimes. So a completed work. And I think at that point, if you market it, even without selling it, that's a professional actually but yeah the professional part i mean selling it is a is the icing on top of the cake or the cherry on top of the pie or whatever so pie, i like pie better <laughs> pie. <laughs> uh, i agree with all that i would just add that um for people who truly are doing it for the first time not to uh be naive to the fact that you still have a whole slew of things to learn because um, you're going to make mistakes on your way to being a professional. Um, yes, you you know, once you sell your stuff, you're technically doing the same thing as the so-called big boys. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, just like they went, you know, the re- they started small as well to get to where they are. And they made a lot of mistakes, trial and error. So don't get it in your head that there's nothing else to learn and still be willing to take crit- constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. And understand that it is a business side. There's the passion, the passion to of doing mm-hmm. it. But like these, like the gentleman said, 
the way that you do make that sale is understanding the politics of what you of business and understanding how to communicate, be personable, uh, and you know, understanding your budget and not, you know, over promising and under delivering and all that stuff that could happen if you're not paying attention to what's going on around. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would like to add an addendum to that because uh, uh, Keith, you uh, you you expounded on it quite nicely. Um, yeah, to you know, if people buy your stuff, that's one aspect of being a professional. Mm -hmm. um, the bigger aspect of being a professional is getting to the point of people actually buying your stuff, right? Um, as Keith said, you know. And as uh, Robert said, uh, to an extent, the creating part is the fun part. You know what I mean? That, that's that's the fun part. Whether you draw, you write, I do, I do the whole schmear, right? Mm -hmm. So the creating part, no matter how you know how much it's pulling your hair out, <laughs> you know what I mean. If the story isn't quite coming together, or mm -hmm. how you just want to throw your stylus away because for some reason your hand isn't working properly and making the art. That's still the fun part. Um, the work part is the professional aspect of it, from the marketing to how you um, comport yourself, right, um, in the game and in the business, um, to how you speak to people, to mm -hmm. how thick your skin is, to how open you are, to um, expanding your knowledge base and change and whatnot, because the here's the thing about being a professional creator, right? Um, people buying your art one time, that's a great thing, but that doesn't make you professional. If people continually buy your work because of your ethic, because of consistency, because of the intent in your creation, right? That's what makes you a professional. Right. Yeah. This is a personal pet peeve of mine. Okay. As somebody who reads a lot of indie comics and reviews them. Um, not not a creator myself, other than outside creating reviews, um, but um editing. Do you think editing plays any part of being accepted as a professional? Most definitely. Yup. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know what you're. I know what you're. What you're alluding to. You read some of these indie indie books, and you're. And I've seen mistakes on all levels. Okay. Yeah. And that's going to happen. But the big, I mean, some stuff is almost unforgivable. Uh, certain misspelled words that are pretty that should have been caught because you know. <laughs> It's pretty it's pretty big on a page and this is the one word you should have made sure it was spelled correctly or uh one of us i've seen bad scans of art like i you can still see i've seen <laughs> i've seen stuff where you can still see the ruling lines from the art from the comic paper mm. on the finished art and i'm like how did you miss that that was that's pretty yeah. blatant right there yeah and you know it's just a general and i've seen guys even uh excuse it as you know uh on the basis of, of, you know, well, I'm not, I just need to get it done or whatever. You know, I, I, I didn't have enough time to do this, that, and yeah, the third. And that, like, well, just don't, don't put it wrong out. answer. Yeah. No. You know, you know, the old saying, first impressions are everything. So, mm -hmm. 
you know, it's probably better that you just calm down, wait, and do it when it's when you get it, you know, when you get it together, because mm -hmm. you want to start off on a bad foot with the audience or your potential readers. You know? Yeah, I mean, it, and it's one of those things where you know all of us are. We're in Arley. We're in the small press area, and at larger conventions, we're battling for eyes for, from the larger publishers. So, if somebody comes over to your table, you know, does like the quick read through and sees a glaring mistake, or if they decide to pick up your book, and I mean, they purchase the first one, and you have like a six issue series, and you have like a number of mistakes in the first issue. Either way, you're not going to get those repeat people coming back, or you might get the people who might just pop, pass by your table. Um, having an editor or an editing team, you know, for indie book, um, even with indie prose, it's it's essential, you know, because if you just read over your stuff and just say, even like four or five times, there are things that sometimes grammatically I miss or story-wise, you know, plot-wise that, that I miss. And to say that if a person feels that they're above going through the, going through the editing process, you've already shot yourself in the head, you know, at the beginning of the process before moving forward. So, um, never be above asking for somebody to look at your stuff, you know, and don't just ask people who are going to be like, yeah, this is great. Everything about right. what you do is so great. Right. No, find somebody, find somebody who's going to be constructively critical and help you to grow and also help <laughs> you to put out the best product possible because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's it's kind of a harsh market to go into, especially when you're once again, battling for eyes for people who are Wednesday warriors and are just used to going to pick up Marvel and DC. You know, you want your stuff to stand out just as much as they do, as their stuff does. And not saying all their stuff is perfect, but um, they have years upon years of, you know, experience and, and longevity and IPs, which are known within, a, around the world. You want your stuff to be just on par with their stuff. So yeah, editors are, are essential for whatever you're writing, so. Yeah. or creating or, or drawing or whatever. Yeah, editors are key. Um, you know, in, in my in my secret identity, uh, I'm a college professor and, um, you know, and I teach art. So I've been through that tradition of um, critique and whatnot. Um, you know, people say don't get um, advice from your family because they don't know. Unfortunately or fortunately, I'm from a family of artists, <laughs> so <laughs> you know what I mean, of working artists, right? Um, even before I got into the game officially, um, I showed my work to <coughs> father because my dad's an architect and he's also a comic book fan. Um, and this was back in 94 when there was no gray on his face and all that other good stuff. Um, <laughs> So, um, you know, I showed him the work and he's like, do you want, you know, do you want the real critique or do you just want the thing? I was like, no, nah, I want the real critique because I trust your opinion. Right. And also because of being um, coming from that art tradition of critique and whatnot. And, you know, my father proceeded to put down some tracing paper, break out the uh, triangle and the T-square, show me where my perspective was off so on and so forth. And he's like, you know, I mean, I hope you're not upset. I'm like, no, I came to you because I trust your opinion because this is what you do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like, 
you know, me, I mean, me being your son, I see you do this. It's like the tools that you use, I used to make this stuff. So I want to, you know, I want to make sure that I'm on point, right? And that is a small example of what editing is. Okay. You're an exception. You're an exception to the rule. Most, I, most I artists are oddball out. I, I am. I'm, I'm very lucky. I'm very yeah, lucky. I see that know. all day, every day. I kiss the ground that I walk on. <laughs> that um, yeah. so I had the family and I had that acceptance um, for it. Um, for those of you who don't, um, you have to look outside. You know what I mean? You have to. This is also part of being a professional as well right this is kind of the kung fu part of it okay um you have to seek out mentors mm -hmm. you have to mentors will not come to you right they won't and even then and then this again this is me speaking as um college professor as well right um mentors are only going to want to deal with you first of all if the mentor sees that you have that spark, right? If they see that you have that thing underneath, no matter how good at the time or how bad you think you are at the time, right? If you have the right intention, that's going to come through. That's going to attract the mentor, number one, you know? Number two, um, what's going to attract that mentor is if you shut up and listen <laughs> sometimes, right? Uh, they are here because they've been here and they've been through this, right? So you have to put what I call the artist ego bullshit. You have to put that aside, right? In order to get that learning. And actually, that's the difference between the indie comics that resonate and the ones that fall by the wayside. You know, that's it, that's how important editing is. Thank you, gentlemen. Definitely. I'm going to pop this question. This is we're not going to answer this because I want whoever asked this to clarify a bit more the process of getting your comic published. Um, there's, you know, do you mean by a big publisher? Do you mean independently? Um, clarify that for us. Um, if you're still out there watching, we we'd love to answer that. Um, but I, I don't know how to ask that. It sounds like they want the steps to how you, how you take it from concept to actually getting getting it published. That sounds like someone who hasn't, who's never done it and looking for a- Do you want to hear And their books on- I mean, I'll take a stab at it. I mean, <clears throat> basically, you know, in, in short form, start out with the, once you get your idea together and you write it down and plot it out, and then go ahead and we'll just, we'll skip ahead and say that they got all the art done, right? Uh, well, let me let me back up. Before you even start drawing your comic, you want to know the format that you're going to publish it in, you know, as far as the size of it. You know, if you don't know what comic book, the standard comic book size is, Google that or go and actually measure actual comic book, get that information down. Um, and that's important because technically you can do any size you want, but practicality, being practical about it, you have to think about the comic bags, how these, how, how it's going to sit on your on the standard comic book store shelf, and all that stuff. So you want to make it easy for your potential buyers or um, or a 
store owners to be able to handle your book and place it and, and file it away and everything else they have to do with your comic. Um, barcodes, if you think that's necessary, you want to re research barcoding so that it makes it easier for them to catalog your stuff uh, and price it, you know, through the scan codes and all that, all of that information, minutia. Uh, but then the actual publishing itself, uh, or you got to, you have to get it printed, right? So you want to research, um, depending on your budget, you want to research uh, who fits your criteria as far as um, being able, you know, how many books do I want to publish? How many can I afford? And of course, there's different prices depending on who you go with, but usually those prices are connected to quality as well. So you know, the cheapest guy is most probably the guy that's going to give you the, I'm just generalizing, but the cheapest guy is probably going to be the guy you don't want to go with. But um, you do want to find something that you want to find a happy medium where it's the quality is well enough mm -hmm. and the and the price for that quality works as well you know what i mean so um those are things to consider but uh everything most of this is just uh most of this stuff is just a good you know keyboard cool. and google google all this information as far as like uh how to publish i mean it's just a matter of uh taking it to a print house having the books printed and then having a place to uh actually a point of sale whether that's a comic con uh, your website, um, Kickstarter. Uh, there's different avenues to get your book into someone's hands, and, right. and uh, yeah, uh, that's you know that's the nut. That that's that's basically it in a nutshell. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was gonna. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say also um, begin the process by praying. Um, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> just start with that. Um, yeah, but the other the other option is is even if you don't don't decide to do like physical copies, um, there are like webtoons, there are web comic book uh, portals where you can you know if you write do the art yourself or you have a team, you could just basically po post it up on these kind of widely seen um, web you know web comic portals. And I, I know like I said, webtoon is one of them. Um, I know there's a comic book that I'm a big fan of called Kamikaze. Uh, that's pretty much how they do all their stuff until they combine all of their uh, pages into or story arcs into graphic novels, which they uh, will do on um, on Kickstarter. Uh, shout out to Team Kamikaze, but I that's a it's another way to go if you don't want to necessarily do the. But eventually, you will get to the point of what Keith, uh, what Keith was saying that you know collecting your web comics into something physical because you, I mean, unless you can just keep rolling like that and making free comics, you want to make some money off of it <laughs> eventually. So, but that's a, it's another option to look at when you're initially creating your comic books. That's a it's just it's something that popped in my head. Actually, something I want to do myself. So. Um, so I, I learned something today, I guess. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to how do you publish, right? Um, I mean, that's that's a, that's an extremely broad question. The mm -hmm. first question mm -hmm. that you should be asking yourself is, what is the purpose? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to do? Mm -hmm. What are you trying to accomplish in in this uh, in this game, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I see a lot of people, you know, they there there's there's not there's not one way to publish and there are no shortcuts to publishing. No. You have to do the homework, right? And doing the homework um 
for so I come from like you know an older tradition. I come from a time before the internet and things of that nature. So in terms of like learning the craft of comics, because comics are a craft. This is an art form, right? And also the business of it is an art form, right? So um, in terms of learning the craft of comics, you know, I was out there reading the books, right? I, you know, I've got the How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. I've got the Comic Craft Guide to Lettering. I've got Understanding Comics. I've got um, Comic Book Design. My library is sick with like um, learning about the craft of comics, right? And then um, another part of learning about the craft of comics is learning the business of comics. So, you know, I also came up from the time it's like, you know, I was a fan. When I was in college, I worked in a comic book store for a couple of years. So, you know, I saw the ins and outs and the outs and ins, you know what I mean, with the whole um, distribution implosion till it just came down to Diamond, how Diamond operated, you know, you needed three books in the can before you could solicit, so on and so forth. You know, I've been through that, so I've studied that and I've, I've learned that. And then what we have now is this great, um, uh, this great leveling of the playing field with the internet, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a great leveling of the playing field even when it comes to printing, okay? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I see a lot of people, they wanna go to tr the traditional route, getting a whole bunch of copies printed, and they have them sitting in their crib, you know what I mean, to the con or something like that. You know, um, I found early on uh, the be the benefits of print on demand, right? And, you know, I started doing that um, in the early days when it wasn't so good. And, you know, I tried to figure out, um, you know, different things. And again, this is coming from my experience outside of comics of like working in advertising and things of that nature. You know, knowing about paper stocks and, you know, what looks good and what good, that sort of thing. And as um, print on demand popped up, you know, and their stuff got better in the printing, what I did realize, again, with print on demand and all that other stuff, people are like, oh, it's low quality. I'm like, no, it's not low quality. It's that the people who produce the book don't know how to produce the book. They haven't really studied the craft, right? They haven't studied the craft of, like, how you arrange your pages. Lettering, I'm gonna tell you right now, lettering for me, that is the difference between somebody who knows their stuff and somebody who doesn't. Right, 100%. Yeah. Lettering is yep. visible art. And right yeah. there, I know whether or not like a comic book is, in some ways, I'm gonna be blunt about it, worth my time. Yeah. Because it's like, if the creator, took the time, you know what I mean, to work on their craft and develop their craft, not saying that they have to be the best that there ever was coming out the gate, because nobody is. We always grow as we keep going on. But what? But part of being a professional publisher, and this goes back to the editing question as well, is you know understanding the craft of comics, understanding what makes a good-looking comic, not what makes your favorite comic, but what makes a good looking com comic book? There is a standard of design and packaging. And you look at that standard all the time. I can name five different books 
right now that are completely different genres. We can go from Superman to Crescent City Monsters to Sex Criminals to um, Razzle, you know what I mean? And even Archie, okay? Five completely different books, five completely different genres. All of them follow the standard of the craft of comics and how to create comics. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing. You That's the first thing about how to publish comics. It's like when you look at comics and you want to get into this game, you have to stop thinking of it as a fan and you have to start thinking of it as you're a student. Right. 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 And I, the comics I, you're looking at is market research. If I open so I can see Times New Roman, I, I close it. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, even with that, and, I, and I'm going to bring this up just being, you know, obviously coming up compared to y'all. Um, but uh, I know I was told a lot that I was researching too much. Oh, you're researching too much. Just put the comic out. Researching too much. Put the comic out. How important would you say it is to research? Because I know me personally, I wanna, since since I did uh, do that researching, since I did do that researching, I learned yeah, so much more. That I helped me. actually address that because yeah. I was going to speak just to that point. Mm -hmm. um, and I mentioned this earlier. Everything Jibba, I hope I'm not pronouncing that. Jibba, you, you got it right. Yeah. Everything he said was on point. Uh, but don't get caught up in trying to be perfect before you launch your material because you'll never get it launched because you're never mm -hmm. going to be perfect. Oh, yeah. I made a lot of mistakes in my first book. One was uh, I didn't take advantage of Kickstarter. I, I paid for my first book out of my pocket. I, I printed too many copies because I got, you know, big eyes and, and, and got caught up in my own mind about, oh, man, I'm going to sell X amount of books and this is going to be great. You know, it was the excitement of doing my first book and starting my company, but not really looking at it from a not understanding that I need to test the market a little more as far as I don't just print enough, see what happens, study the reactions you get from people, take that information and improve and improve it on the next book or go back and, and fix the first book because you can read all the little how to books you want, but Nothing beats experience. You're just not going to see what you should be seeing that first time out. It's mm -hmm. almost impossible. Just like uh, the high school athlete, the superstar athlete goes to the pros and now he's just another guy because he doesn't know what he thought he knew. He knew. <clears throat> you get, you're going to take your lumps, you're going to take your bruises, and that's through trial and error. So, to your point, yes, research because that's smart. But don't get don't get caught up in don't get don't get caught up in not thinking that you there's a um, finite point of information and now I'm ready to go because I know everything because I read. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that, and that, yeah. that makes sense because even like you just said, I did that with my first book, Arisha Exos. You bought Arisha Exos. Yeah, he he's the one who has the ugly copy of Arisha Exos. That book is horrible. That's okay because but uh, but the thing is, like my books yeah. after that, but but the reason why I. I people ask me questions you know because of the books that i have released you know I've released like still not that many 10 books you know but i've released books now and people ask me like what do you think i should do i'm like well research a little bit doesn't mean you stop but research a little bit and the reason why i said that is because when i did my first book there were so many mistakes in that book that even though now my books are 
professional because I learned from those mistakes. I went and researched, I asked people questions, I got better artists, I learned how to letter myself and fix the problems that I had. However, like you mentioned earlier, that first impression put bad taste in folks' mouth now. So they won't even pick up the books that I have now, even though there are actually get miles better. It's, What's it's that? You actually get negative feedback from people. Um, on the first book, yes, <laughs> and but I also got positive mm -hmm. feedback too. See, I, I'm the type of person I take both. I want to hear your negative. I want to hear your positive because mm -hmm. both of them are going to help me grow. Unless you just say, "Oh, that sucked," or "Oh, that's great." You know, that's not going to help me grow. <laughs> but you know, the the negative and the positive, especially if it's constructive, will help me. Grow. Right. I um, haven't. So, yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna let you go. Well, I was going to say, I have a, there's a, so an addendum to that though is, um, and this is, this is an experience that I get uh, mainly online, not so much at the shows, is that people will reach out to me and just ask for an information dump about how to do everything. And one of my, one of my first questions is, have you used this thing called the internet <laughs> to research? Yeah. So that's the thing. So, th so there definitely is a thing against like doing too much research because after a while you, you, you got to pull the trigger, <laughs> you got to pull the trigger. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's kind of, that is something that I advise people because if you come to me and you've actually done some homework, then that's, that lets me know like, Hey, You've done that. You know, you, mm -hmm. I am not the only source of information that you were looking for, because when when we were coming up in the game, just like, um, you know, like we've all mentioned, you know, for me, it was going to bookstores and trying to find whatever script books I could find or whatever books on writing I could find, whatever comic book scripts online that I could find for free. Um, and once it all happened and you learn the process of making comics, then you go ahead. So that's something that I advise people who are coming behind me who are asking for like, I want, they want the full, you know, kid and caboodle when it comes to writing comics or scripting comics. And I was like, dude, I got a nine to five. Like, have you, have you done some of the homework yourself? But I'd be, I'm, I'd be willing to offer advice to see mm -hmm. if you've done some of the work yourself. Uh, the other part of that is even now at the ripe old age of 39, I'm still a, crackhead when I go to a bookstore looking for script books. That's just something that I need to feed because one of the things that I realized is that I, as much as there's a lot of camaraderie, we all work together and this and that, I can lose a gig to somebody who is more up on the craft than I am. So to a certain degree, and, I, and this is a mindset that I had when I started working in journalism, like I, I will lose gigs because I don't, because I don't stay on top of things. Um, and that's just, and I think that's within any industry. You could mm -hmm. be a banker, you could be somebody in IT, you'd be a janitor. If you don't continue to study your craft, then people are going to keep passing you by. And I think that I feel the same way, especially for people of color, you know, for, you know, in this industry, like you have to continue to study. You have no choice but not to. And within that, and within that period of time, continue to create, continue to learn. Like mm -hmm. I, if I go back and look at my first published book, Daddy's Little Girl, uh, that ish is horrendous to me. I apologize for people who read that, but it just is what it is. But it was a good stepping stone. Um, so that's, but I, I can, those are the two things that I, I always tell people if you're coming into this, study as much as you can, but then also continue to study even after you've put out like 10 books. Right. Agreed. Right. 
And no, I, I do. I agree with all three of your points. Because if I wouldn't have released, I call it the, the ugly version. If I wouldn't have released that, mm-hmm. gosh, who knows? Who knows where I would have been at? Because matter of yeah. fact, Keithan was one of the ones who gave me pointers on that book. When he saw it, he was like, "Hey, change this. You can do this better with the letter, and you can do this, or get rid of the big, thick black border that's going around the book." You know, but those type of things, those are what those were helped me. You know, and then so I went back, and I'm like, "Okay." And when I was getting these good and negative, I took notes that day. Mm-hmm. You know, and then that was part of my research, and that's ultimately what I was getting at. Because even if you do do the book and go out there, and someone gives you your positive, your negative reviews, if you take notes, which I did, I hope when people get that information, especially from somebody who knows what they're doing, what they're doing and they've been in the game longer than you and they're giving you jewels after jewels after jewels. I hope you're taking notes. <laughs> I hope you're not, you know, so cocky that you're like, whatever. You know, I've, I literally sat down on my, I was like writing, okay, they said, do this. They said, do that. Okay. They said, have this at my table. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. So then when I went to my, another con, I follow those. When I did my books, I follow those rules. And then I researched more. You know, I got books that I didn't have before. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm a writer too. So I'm just like you. Like, I'm like, I need books on scripts. Like, I even went and got panel one, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the the book on writing comic book scripts. And it has different yeah. flavors of comic book scripting because yeah. I wanted to transition from short story writing to comics, cor- you know, correctly so that my artists wouldn't be all like, what are you saying, man? Like, this ain't gonna work. <laughs> you know, so, um, but yeah, so yeah, I, I agree with all of them, like the, the research and, and just doing it. But like I've even heard, I've heard some folks where they'll tell people like, no, just put out the book. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, like do some type of research. That's a little bit like you don't have to do it to the point where you're like frozen in your tracks. Right. Cause that's what I did. And then that's what a research yeah. was. Part of this, part yeah. of what you're saying is also just having some common sense. Yeah. And in this industry that is not always in great supply. Mm-hmm. You know, so that I mean that's another thing but yeah no like you said common sense is yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah. I mean, yeah. they're right you want to you do got you you have to put it out there at some point mm-hmm. and, you know and get your feet wet and and don't and don't get uh don't get camera shy about it yeah but i always say you know i always the way i evaluate people's artists that are that i feel that are going to make it or not make it is by their natural enthusiasm for the craft the moment I see, like like what uh, um, Robert is saying, man, at some point, you're. I get turned off by people asking me stuff they should figure out on their own. Yes, man. I don't know if I'm the oldest one here, but it looks like I am. Well, when I was a kid, there was no internet. Like, I Were you born in the seventies? Yeah, seventy-one. Okay, all right. You are you beat me by a year, so you are the old. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I I was you know a weird kid, I guess. I I I was at the library over there in the art section on the floor, looking mm-hmm. at Michelangelo, Leonardo, you know, learning how to draw. Um, I would read stuff on Hitchcock on how to frame your, how to tell a story, set up your scenes. Even mm-hmm. though I was doing comic books, I would transfer that information to comics. But there was no one on my back making me do it. That's right. what I'm saying. And to mm-hmm. me, that's the difference between a guy that's going to make it, even if he has, even if he has less skill than you do, he'll make it mm-hmm. because he really loves what he's doing and he's persistent. 
or she's persistent. That drive. That's got all the talent in the world, but lazy about applying it. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. That's 100% the truth. You know, I've, as an educator, I've seen it. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I've seen the ones who made it. I've seen the ones who don't. Um, One of my heroes artistically is George Perez. And George Perez is, he's one of my heroes, not only artistically, but also in terms of like learning the game and whatnot. Like I've had the pleasure to meet him when I was starting out in my career. You know me and I, had a pleasure of like rapping with him when, uh, you know, on his retirement tour and whatnot. But um, one of one of the reasons why he's my hero and one of my artistic heroes is because when he started out um, and I've, I have like books, you know, his biographies and stuff like that. That's part of the research, like, you know, studying these artists that you really dig. But, you know, when he got into the game in um, in 19 and whatnot, like the George Perez of 19 artistically was nothing like the George Perez of the yeah. New yeah. Titans, which was nothing like the George Perez of Crisis on Infinite Earths, so yeah. on and so forth. Um, like he he had weaknesses in his work in the beginning. And it was like at one point, one of the stories was like at one point, you know, his editor was talking about all of his weaknesses. And so he did a white tiger piece that addressed all of his weaknesses artistically mm-hmm. and it put him on the path of growth you know and then getting into more um you know photo reference and things like that from the logan's run book and you know i've, I've like i said i've been reading the biographies um you know different facial expressions different body types so on mm-hmm. and so forth um that's what you know part and parcel that's doing the research that's the growth you know what i mean is the evolution, right? Yeah, right? A crucial part of the growth is knowing that you are not the best whatever out there. And you should never assume that you're the best whatever out there. Because right. the minute you start assuming that is the minute that you fall off. And yeah. I'm sure that there are some, I'm going to make some people mad about this, but Rob Liefeld is the perfect example of somebody who <laughs> and never grew in his artwork. He yeah. never grew. Like or when John I, Romita Jr. Huh? I have a Brett personal thing grudge, against, I have a personal like grudge against John Romita Jr. Keep yeah. going. Oh, that's, like, that's one of my favorite guys. I know that sounds like some on-site mess, but uh anyway, but uh, <laughs> But when uh, Liefeld first, you know, came out in 88, I mean, we're around the same age, he was 16, something like that, doing Hawk and Dove, and that stuff was raw and rough, and I looked at that as a kid, as a teenager, you know, and I'm like, "Mm, he's got something, I'm going to see what's going to happen in a few years if he develops, and he never did. Mm. But see, that wasn't, but see. But I think that's, look, 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 look. Too early. John Romita Jr. and and Life are, are some. I would like to speak on those two artists for a second. Liefeld's strength was never the draft, the, the skip, the draftsman stuff. The reason his stuff was so successful was he still knew how to compose a page. Mm. He was very strong with composing a page and making the, the 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 graphics pop, leap off the page. That was his strong point. And to a child's mind, yeah, it translated. Right. Yeah. 
And he was very successful with that. Um, maybe a limited success, but it did it, it worked for him for that time period. Right. And I, I will still say, and also life feels a good designer as far as costume. I know he borrowed a lot, but he knew how to put it together. Like he's he has the vision, you can see what he's trying to do, is what I'm saying. Right. And he, said, he did just enough to make it work. But with Ramita, which is one of my favorites when I was growing up, he went through a lot of stylistic transitions himself. But yeah, his earlier stuff guy, was way better. The, the reason that the guy continues to get work, and he said this, this is not me just um hyper, you know, um theorizing here. He called it, he said his style is the dead deadline style. That's what he said. He calls it, he calls it the deadline style. They know that this guy, when they pay him to do these comics, he's going to actually finish in a timely manner. Right. And that keeps him employed. He may not be doing uh, super de detailed work like Jim Lee or someone, but I guarantee you he's going to get it done. He's right. going to meet mm -hmm. his deadlines. And that's what the companies, the bosses are, are looking at him. That's why they hire him, right. you know. And he's great, and and then, but as far as as far as stylistic, I just think he's a great action artist. Like he's another guy who knows how to put a page together. He knows how to compose a scene. You know, you may, you may, your taste may not be as visually may not be your what you're into stylistically, but technically, the dude can tell can put a page together like nobody's business. Like, right, and and that's what keeps these guys employed. I mean, with uh, Romita Jr., I mean, I personally I personally like his stuff. I mean, you know, oh, he's, he's, I, I mean, know. No, here's, here's the thing. I, I I think like his he had a he had a really great period, like his Daredevil period. I think yeah. like yeah. his Daredevil period was peak. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and also, I think part and parcel with Romita Jr. is uh, who's inking him right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, who inks him and stuff like that. I think that that <laughs> helps him out as well. Um, Ramita Jr. for me is a great storyteller. Um, Keith, you know, everything you said about Liefeld is true. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what I mean? Like for a for a cat who's 16, 18, you know, and you look at Liefeld and you get excited and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's why he got, that's why he got, you know, what he got. Um, in the uh, early '90s, with Image, right? Because we were, because at least Keith Ann and I, we were of that teenage. You, I was, I was old enough. No, to read no, a comic. I mean, no, I, I was, was old I, enough to read a yeah, comic. Come well, on. I was going to say, yeah, for me, so it's funny. I mean, y'all talking about? I was there. I was there. Y'all were there. So when you look at chances, in times, I felt. You were like, holy for holies, this dude is the dopest dude ever. Well, I, so the he's like a teenager and he's doing this. I mean, he he Rob Liefeld was the comic fanboy's dream. You know, had the dream job as a teenager, made millions, you know, off his creations, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Cool when you're 18, not so cool when you're 38. <laughs> That's what yeah. it's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, by this little joker here. Right, I'm gonna break in for a second and say, Robert, did you get your piece to did you say which well yeah, I was gonna say so you know for me, um and it's and it's really interesting looking at this from the artist's perspective, um, because you know, when I was when I when <laughs> when I was reading X-Men, um 
and you know some of the Marvel books at that point, Jim Lee was that dude. Like Jim Lee for me was, I'm sorry, he was just my preference was his art over Liefeld, um, when it when it came down to it. Um, and and that, like I said, that's that's just me. But also, but when I look at the writing from back then, um, or if I look at some of the early, like when I went back and looked at some of the early image stuff, um, I was just I was just like. This stuff is beautiful, but as far as like the writing, I couldn't get with it as much, you know. So, yeah. and it was it's interesting because for me, like it wasn't until like you know maybe like the two thousands when I was starting to kind of look into this industry, you know, to break in, but also appreciating more of the writing was that when it seemed that's when it seemed like the writers kind of made that transition so it's just like I, I i can see where you what you guys are talking about but it's it, it's weird but because for me between those two and i i love and respect what they did especially with image because mm -hmm. they burst out of like they they took the reins of these positions that they had with you know primarily marvel some folks with dc and they were just like let's just do our own thing yeah. and make that money and it's weird because like now the focus, I think, sometimes is more on the writers because you look at folks like Kirkman. Kirkman's about to get, you know, he's at The Walking Dead. He now has Invincible. And then I'm looking at the brothers doing excellence. I'm looking at all of these people that are coming through. Um, yeah, Liefeld was, he was fun. I mean, he was fun to read, but I just, I felt like when I was, as far as the storytelling, at least from a, from a writing perspective or from a fan's perspective, that Lee and Claremont uh, period is just one that I, I think kind of set the standard at, at times. Um, he said, please stop talking about Leaf Liefeld. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's you know, I, I had the, what was it, X-Men number one thinking that was going to pay my way through college. And I was like, no, speculation um, and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, but yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk ill of those guys ever because you don't get Robert Kirkman without those guys doing what they did. Right. No, sure. That's all fair. the comics that are out now, if those guys didn't take that leap of faith and yeah. believe in their own abilities to, I, to generate a company. I, have a, to, I, mean, uh, I think they, I, I have a question, I think though. That, um, speaking on what you just said, uh, Keith, do you think that because of what they did with Image, that that may have been, I know we had indie comics prior to that, but do you think that may have been the, mm -hmm. I guess, the, 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 what paved the way for a lot of indie creators now? Like looking at how what Image did. Mm -hmm. And what a lot of people are trying to do now. Well, what image did? Yeah, you had you had indie guys who are true indie guys, but mm -hmm. the, uh, Rob, Lee, Jim, and, all, and the rest of them, or, or uh, Sylvester, and the rest of them, mm -hmm. those guys were working for the big two, or, or primarily Marvel, mm -hmm. and they were making Marvel tons of money, but they didn't mm -hmm. own anything that they created for Marvel. Mm -hmm. right. And so, what was happening at the time prior to them, you would. Marvel Comics, you remember there was a time where you didn't see the credits for the writer and the artist on the cover. Yeah, you didn't know who, who did it until you opened the actual book and read mm -hmm. the credits. Yeah. So they were kind of just uh, uh, and then Marvel said this, and I've, I've seen many documentaries where they just said uh, the editors at the time were like it's about the characters, not the artists. Mm -hmm. the characters that are selling the book. But in that era, back in the late 80s, starting with people like Frank Miller, um John Byrne. Yeah. 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 John Byrne. John and the rest of them. We started collecting those comics if those guys were attached to them. 
You know what I mean? Like it was the artists were the stars back then. That's mm -hmm. why they were not. That's why they didn't need to have that great of writing. Right. When it came to those famous comics because the zeitgeist at the time was about the visuals. I mean, hence the name image. Right. It was all about that. The energy of being independent, the energy of sticking it to the man, the energy of just being young and reckless. And that's what people were were geeked out about with the image comics. You know, not so much the oh, well, it's not what well, it's not, you know, Warren Ellis or whatever, but who cares? I'm, you know, they were they were caught up in the emotion of it all. Yeah, what I wanted to add to that. Oh, sorry. Were you sorry, Keith? Yeah, but once that that all of that wore off and the speculation market died popped and all of that, you had to get back to the quality of the book. You know, that's and that's a little more difficult to pull off. Yes. But they what? had still changed the industry by creating image and do, doing what they did. They had still changed the industry and it hasn't been the same since. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, what I want to say is, um, yeah. you know, image, run. yeah, with the 90s, the 90s, uh, for me, there were uh, image was a watershed moment. Milestone was also the watershed. Yes. Of yeah. The 90s, yeah. Right. Same energy. Same energy. Yeah, definitely same energy. But here's the thing, because I that during that time, that's when I 100 percent, you know, said I was going to get into comics by hook or by crook. Like when I was 10, I said I wanted to do comics, but um, the watershed moment of the one-two punch of Image and Milestone solidified it for me. Like Image showed that you could, uh, well, Milestone showed that you could create characters that look like you, spoke like yeah. you, felt like you, and they mm -hmm. would be successful. Image yeah. showed people that you could have your own creation and get paid from mm -hmm. it, okay? So yeah. uh, as, as Keith then said before, like the indie scene was there already, but in the 90s, the indie scene became profitable and the indie mm -hmm. scene became mm -hmm. kind of mainstream. It kind of was like the indie scene of comics was kind of like hip hop. It is like hip hop. You know what yeah. I mean? That's when the explosion, yeah, sure. right? Um, for me in that moment, uh, the synthesis of image, you know, people talk about image, yeah, image was watershed. Um, you know, Milestone was watershed for me. What was also watershed for me was after Image, they had a whole bunch of collectives. The collective that I was looking at was Legend. The collective with um, John Byrne, Mike Mignola, Frank Miller, because out of that came Sin City, out of that came Hellboy. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And also mm -hmm. out of that came the quote-unquote comic book auteur the um, writer-artist, right? You know what I mean? Artist that could actually write. And um, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be the writer. I wanted to be the artist. And so that was my guiding force. You, you know what I mean? Um, in terms of getting in this game. So, you know, in order to be that cat, also what I turned out to be, not only writer and artist, but it's also becoming a better colorist, um, becoming a better inker. Um, you know what I mean? Studying lettering, um, you know, being a graphic designer, studying packaging and the comics and stuff like that in order to like really become that um, that person that, you know, and ultimately, I guess this is how my career is right now, because when I was young, I wanted to be somebody's favorite artist, right? Mm -hmm. 
to be honest with you, like when people talk about their favorite artists in the indie comic scene, they don't mention me. But um, the thing is, what the thing about it is, is like I'm not saying that and saying like nobody likes my art. But what I am saying is that is because I realize people look at me as a creator, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm not just an artist. I'm not just a writer. I'm all of those things. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like it's like the end of the day. Like I'm the one stop shop. And mm-hmm. actually, it was because of um, the Legend Crew that pushed me to become that type of cat. Right. I wanted to ask. Yeah. Add, Ethan. Okay, you mentioned milestone. Okay, and the difference between milestone and image. Okay. Now, as it pertains to black creators and comics, independent black creators. That's almost a whole nother ball of wax there. Mm-hmm. That's completely different from the challenge that Image faced. Mm-hmm. Because Image, and they said it, are we're basically reinterpreting the X-Men, uh, X-Force, and the rest of the stuff they were already doing, right? Mm-hmm. Their version of it. But the black creators, and a lot of people to this day, they don't get it. We're not just dealing with the in, the industry as is, we're dealing with breaking cultural norms. Mm-hmm. That's why I do a show called specifically called Black Comics Day. You know, versus just Comic Con, because mm-hmm. it's a necessary <laughs> component to change the mindsets within not the white community or 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 the Asian community or any other community, but in our own community, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's our yep. biggest hurdle right now. Exactly. It's not. Oh, the white man's got his foot on my neck, so I got to create black comics. That it really has nothing to do with that. It's more about changing the mindset of our own people to accept intele- uh, the intellectual side of us and not be embarrassed by it, and embrace it more and nurture it. Because right now, we're 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 judged by stereotypes. We're just you know, you know, I I was tall all my life, right? I was a tall guy. Course, what what course am I gonna get? You play basketball? You play basketball, yeah. No, I don't play basketball. <laughs> I, I can play basketball, but I don't play basketball. <laughs> you know, I get do you play football? I, that's that was the question I, I always got. Or you know, you you know, anything outside of the, the stereotype is always like uh people are like, whoa, you do that, or you do that, or whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean. And um, it, I mean, it, it, just making comments in general is hard for anybody from any in any race. But the sep- the thing that we're dealing with is it's a twofold thing. We're doing we're dealing with the same issues as any other creator would be as far as coming from uh, creating something and 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 getting it to a point where people notice it. But also, we're dealing with uh, preconceived notions of who we who and what we are and what we're bringing to the table. And that's the that's the that's that extra challenge that we're dealing with. So in my case, I feel like I'm uh, I'm not only trying to walk through a door, but I'm also having to build that door to walk through it. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. What's about that? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I just want to say that what's, what's interesting um, about about what what you said, uh, Keith, is like right now um, in 2021. Black content is hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we see, you know, shout out to Black Panther. Black Panther, <laughs> you know, 
open the door mm-hmm. to black speculative fiction in the mainstream, right? Mm-hmm. And now, you know, then we got Watchmen and then we got Lovecraft mm-hmm. Country, right? right? And I've been saying this for quite some time, this is like the first time that the majority of black America has had the opportunity or the, um, shall we say, the um, permission to imagine, mm-hmm. right? And what's, ha- and what's also happened is that historically, you know, um, the vision or the imagination of Black America was um, in the other's hands, if you know what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. And so what I see, and I'm sure you see it on boards, we all see it on the boards and stuff like that, right? We go to these FB groups, they talk about being creators and they talk about, you know, uh, you know, expanding the culture of blackness in comics and they wind up still talking about the corporate too, or they wind Mm -hmm. up, you know, they wind up still looking for representation from the other, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the the first things that I did when I uh, created The Horseman is that um, I said I wanted it to be free from the root of uh, Western superhero myth, which is predominantly Greco-Roman, you know what I mean? Also, um, Abrahamic religions, you know, uh, a um, a bastardization of like Asian, you know, uh, mysticism and Egyptian mysticism, so, so things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went, and this is in 97 when I was in grad school, that's why I went and started studying and working on the Orishas, you know what I mean? And right. doing with the Orishas, what Jack Kirby did um, with Asgardians, right? So it's so it's kind of funny, you know, so automatically I was creating these heroes that were sort of free from the gaze of the other. You know what I mean? That was completely um, within our power because we we're dealing with um, a different type of mythology, right? Um, and, and now I think for creators and the, and the black comics that are really popping off right now, like the excellence, like Bitterroot, like Crescent City Monsters, like Spirit's Destiny, you know what I mean? Like you, Robert, with Mind to Avenge, you know what I mean? Um, which is a good book. Out of the Fiber, you know what I'm saying? Like all of this mm-hmm. stuff that's coming out is that, you know, these cats are, are making it happen because they're creating free from the gates. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the thing about audiences, as you were speaking, Keith, it's like other audiences are picking up on that. But uh, our black audiences are kind of tough to get to. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. uh, luckily, like, <laughs> like, for instance, with the horsemen, you know, I've got people, you know, white folks, you know, white folks, Asian folks, you know what I mean? Like, like picking up left and center. Don't get me wrong. I get black folks too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, right. Part, part of that is because, again, of um, you know the quality level, right? Mm-hmm. Because the quality level, I had to make the quality level at least DC or Marvel to attract black folks to buy it. You, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like you know, oh, this don't look like a DC or Marvel comic, so I don't want it. You know what I mean? So, like in designing the package for the Horseman from Jump, logo, the whole nine, you know, I was like looking at DC Comics and I'm like, at the worst, 
I have to be as good as DC or Marvel in the presentation. Yeah. At worst, you know what I mean? Right. But, you know, I have to go above and beyond that. And um, and that also kind of ties in, you know, people like they talk about the representation or they complain about lack of representation and they keep looking to the corporate too for representation. And I know oh, yeah. all of us, I know all of us in this group has felt that frustration where, oh, yeah. where cats are like, you know, where where's the next milestone? Where's this? Where's that? And we're here. And we're here. And that's the thing. Like that's why I wanted. Like ever since y'all went down this path, I've been wanting to double dutch into this conversation. So dang on that, and I'm going to try to make this short. Um, like South South Chicago. Uh oh. Oh, going back to milestone, and I'm going to make this quick. Like, yeah. So going back with milestone, that's what allowed me to realize that I could do this. Because in the letters page, it was black and brown, and it was just people who, I mean, <laughs> no offense, but who weren't just white guys. Yeah. That That's how it was for me. Yeah. And I always tell people that the milestone number ones have much more significance to me than Watchmen and The Dark Knight Returns and anything along that level. That's Those are my essential books mm -hmm. um, because they were speaking to stories that I was familiar with, but then also they were being created by people who... Uh, look like me. Yeah. In addition to that, when you go to these conventions, and it's the same thing like you mentioned with the Facebook groups, there's always this talk of, I, I need, <laughs> give me, <laughs> just like from the big two. And we are sitting over here, uh, Keith, Keith, and I've seen you in this industry killing it. Yeah. Uh, Javon, um, I've seen you killing it. I've seen my brothers and sisters around us just killing it. And guess what? We're not bring, we're bringing quality material. And especially the running joke that I always tell people is that I don't have a set of business cards on my table uh, anymore because I got tired of people walking up with stacks of Marvel and DC prints. And then they would come over and they would complain about not getting what they wanted from these from these yeah. uh, companies. And then they'd be like, brother, I will take your business card and I will go to your website. Yeah. I will go. And then I would be like, but you literally just told me yeah. that they weren't giving you what you wanted. And then you take a business card. My, you know, it's just it's it becomes a catch 22 with specifically looking at blurs and now and and also there are a huge segment of blurs out there who support what we do but if you keep complaining about what you ain't getting and you haven't done the homework to find these places by going to indie comics dispatch which uh brett ones there you go i know how to segue <laughs> and stuff you know, one, you know one of those places or go to black sci-fi.com where we report yeah. about this stuff all of the dang mm -hmm. on time definitely we run coverage on dc comics but just mixed in with that stuff and as just as important and preeminent if not more are is is what we're putting out like don't sit back and tell me that they ain't stuff out there it is. It's a lot. And it runs the spectrum from, like you said, excellence to bingo love. Like there's so much mixed up in there. Yep. Get out of here with that. And don't. And like I said, so now I just have people just take pictures of um, like a QR code or like my yeah. social media information because I was losing money on business cards because people kept saying they were complaining about the big two and then take a business card and never do anything with it. Stop complaining. Do something there's about two, it. There's two 
groups here now. There's the actual comic book collectors who who actually collect comics that black folks who collect comics. Those are the ones I would say can do a little more homework in finding people like us. Mm -hmm. The general public, I don't. That's the part where I spoke on earlier. They, I don't fault them for this because they're the ones that we're out here in the first place to change the minds up. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are the people who are not necessarily comic book collectors. And I've seen this with my own two eyes, but they are more forgiving and they're actually the ones who are willing to take a chance on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the general public. The general public. Yeah, the general public. Yeah. Uh, the general public of um, of black folk who are, who are discovering mm-hmm. this stuff and looking for this stuff. The yeah. cats who go to the cons for the first time. Yes. Those cats, those cats, those brothers and sisters give they me love. You know what I mean? It's like they see that stuff and they're like, I never knew it could be like this. I'm mm-hmm. buying all of it's it right all now. Of it. Because they don't, yeah. Because I'm giving it to my kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we are straight up giving them what they haven't they seen. Exactly. What they haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like those, those purchases like make me happy <laughs> you know yeah. like when you yeah. get when you get the old timers coming up when you, like when you get people who are elderly when you get people who are middle aged and they come up and they say you know baby i didn't even know this existed i'm like well here it is mm-hmm. that's the thing like that's that see those are the people i'm talking about who just take the business cards no though and after complaining about what the other people aren't giving them no mm-hmm. like I, I those are the moments i come to i, I talk to my wife about I'm like, I, I was able to give a kid who, who didn't know anything about Route 3. Who, and of course, not mine to avenge because that's bloody violence. But, you know, that type of stuff. And then, you know what I do? I, I, I sit back and I say, based on that age range, go right over there to Tuskegee Airs. You have a you have a little girl who wants strong, you know, empowering black women. Go pick up some sorghum and spear. That's what you do. That's yeah. where the camaraderie aspect of specifically black indie comics comes in. And actually just indie comics, period. Yeah, I mean, that's in. Yeah. But no, like I love those conversations where you can talk to them and teach them that we are doing this, that we are. And we've been here for a minute. Right. And, and there's so many genres, too. Like the genres, like I've seen in some of those groups, like people saying, I need me some black fairies. And I'm like, there's black creators doing that. I need me yeah. some black vampires. There's black creators doing that. I need to see the Orisha or I need to see the Loa. And I'm like, that's the city monsters. Greenhouse, I. I have Arishas that are mixed. Right. Well, we, are, we, are we are at the edge of the sword here. Like yeah. we are, We're a lot of stuff is just being, just like Jiba uh, said, a lot of the stuff is just now coming into fruition. It's just yeah. now showing its head. It's just now starting to blossom. So yeah. a lot of the stuff I forgive, and I don't, I'm not on, I don't get on the internet and rant on these people like that yeah. because ultimately I want everyone to be a fan of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I understand, unfortunately for us, we have a lot of baggage around this, you know, yeah. being, being being black creators. It's, it is what it is. I mean, um, that's part of our American history. Right. There's a lot of stuff we got to cut through mm-hmm. just to, to get, get to the gold. Well, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Agreed. No, no what, so what I was uh, going to say, like, yeah, that's definitely the truth. Um, that's, Excuse me. Literally, why I created four pages, sixteen bars of visual mixtape. Um, it was because it was because I had gotten sick and tired 
of the conversation. Like, we need a new milestone. Where are the black comics at? We need a new magazine with like black characters and stuff like that. We need like one company. And you know, I hear I heard all of this talk, you know, about what needs to be done, but nobody doing anything. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh it actually it was a round table interview like back in 2014 um that I had with um you know cats uh like John Jennings and Hannibal Taboo and Quinn McGowan came mm-hmm. up in there and whatnot. Yep. And we brought this thing up again about this consolidated effort. And I was the one who said, like, well, what we what really we need to do is we need somebody who's connected to these people who could reach out get this stuff together, who could put their ego aside and it's for the project, it's for the unit, it's not for them. And we're, you know, and just has the wherewithal to put it together, construct it, design it, you know, get it to market. And I'm like, okay, since I said all this stuff, I guess it's going to be me to do it. You know, <laughs> like if you like, if you're gonna talk about it, be about it. That's how yeah. I am, yeah. right? right. And, and the whole notion of it, and to a whole address that whole thing like we need one comic book company. That's when I came up with the tagline: No, comics are hip hop. Hip hop mm-hmm. is a culture. Comics, especially black comics, is a culture. Yeah. Hip hop is not just Def Jam. Hip hop is not just <laughs> Death Row. Hip hop is not just Tommy Boy. It's not just Cold Chilling Records. It's not just Rock. It's not just Cash Limit. It's not uh, Cash Money. It's not just No Limit. It's mm-hmm. all of these groups, right? Right. Yeah, like, right yeah. Hip hop is as much salt and pepper as it is um, Queen Latifah, as it is No Name, as it is. Uh, shoot, I mean, I could just go on and on yeah. and on. We're, we're not. We're not monolithic here. We're not. We're not monolithic. Yeah. So yeah. we got villains. We got heroes. We got all kinds of folks. The whole nine. Absolutely black. Right. Yeah. That's what. And that's what. Ford pages sixteen bars became it's like i say like it's heavy metal magazine meets the source you know and that's how and that's how i exactly rock it so it's like luckily you know like robert robert is a, a member an agent of the blacks um keith do we have do i have some of your work in there not yet you're gonna be in there soon you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> y'all, y'all need power nice power nice is dope yeah. Yeah. You're like it. <laughs> right so I mean, no, seriously, it's like, you know, the mentality of the Blacksis, right? You know, that is like our universe, mm-hmm. not necessarily shared like all our kind characters interact with each other, although they could, but, you know, we're part, this is the community, you know what I'm saying? Like, Black comics is the Harlem Renaissance right now. It right. is, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like and, and and we're not, you know. I've seen stuff. I've seen talk about one singular comp uh, uh, company and stuff like. That. I'm like, come on, guys. It's not practical. You have people at different levels of their life, different levels of experience. You're not going to have a, a certified professional working with a guy just out of high school just because he's black or she's black. It yeah. doesn't work that way because you're impacting each other when you put this stuff out. That's why, like, you know, uh, let's go back to the beginning of this podcast when we were talking about what it is to be a professional. You got people out there that really push their First Amendment rights and just say whatever the hell they want to say on the Internet. But mm-hmm. they want these same people to buy their stuff. And I'm like, bro, you just pissed off half of your audience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 
You're right. You're right about that. That was trying to launch that magazine. And man, no, don't, 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 don't follow up this conversation with that light, with that thread. Okay. That, um, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not getting up here to name any names, but I'm just saying, nah, I, see a a lot, point, I see a lot of it, of yeah. people letting their passion or their emotions get the better of them. And there's a time and place for these conversations. Mm-hmm. But if you, the moment you cross over and calling yourself a business person mm-hmm. and you want to make money, there are rules to the game. Yes, mm-hmm. you know? there is. And if what you is don't this? think there's any rules, go out there and try it and see what happens. Right. What, is, uh, right. what does Jay Z say? I'm a businessman, but it's not, I'm trying to remember the layer. But yeah, I mean, well, that's the other thing. Like, we live in a day and age where social media is something that is a tool that we need with that we can utilize to help kind of grow our careers and also grow our brand. Right. Um, but other people, but you also know need to know when to step away. You need to know when to let your fingers stop flying across the keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that gets a lot of people in trouble. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I, I might post something which I, I immediately know is stupid and then I just pull it down. <laughs> like, it's just like, if you don't have the, <clears throat> if and like you said, that's where prof- being a professional comes in. You know, you, you gotta, realize that just as much as this tool can help you, it can harm you. And it has a long memory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, there's a, a, between adding, yeah. there's a difference between placing, uh, posting an opinion on a subject versus throwing insults to somebody. Like, that's that's yeah. the way you're trying to, the moment you insult somebody, they already stopped listening to you. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how how well put together how how true your statement is, they can't hear it because you just called them a jerk or whatever other name you came up with. You know what I mean? It's human right, nature. Yeah, people are emotional. They have feelings, and you know, people listen to almost anything if you present it right. <laughs> That's the truth. You know what I mean? Very true. <laughs> yeah. Very true. I'm gonna break in here um, because we we try to stick to an hour. We're at almost an hour and a half, and I know when to shut up and let the, let the vibe go. Um, Too much so knowledge. We're at. <laughs> do yeah. an hour. Too much this knowledge in here to do an hour. <laughs> fantastic conversation this evening. Um, we had a couple questions on printing advice on getting books printed. I'm just gonna say check out one three three art. That's all we're gonna say about that. Um, and then we're gonna um, sorry lightning <laughs> round. Um, this last question after i remind everybody we do have a patreon if you enjoy conversations like this help support us on patreon help us help us keep getting great guests like like tonight um and you you get some really great rewards um including a sovereign comics uh universe comic book for patrons yeah. through 20. I'll, I'll be um, sending those out tomorrow to you brit <laughs> <laughs> thank you sir um so final question let's do the speed round style um uh what motivates you even when you're afraid no one will get your story slash character slash book. Like it's, you think maybe you've had this in your head, um, but maybe nobody else is going to get it. How do you push through what motivates you? I can jump in. Uh, I'm selfish. I'm sorry. Like I write, (laughs) I mean, sometimes like if I'm not entertained by what I'm putting together, um, there's and there's no need for me to keep creating. I'm sorry. Like I, I have to, I have to be entertained by it so I can, you know, push it for, you know, to the next step. So, you know, selfishness, there you go. Love it. <laughs> Dig that. Love it. Anybody else? 
Uh, he's right. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. something I didn't know. Earlier. Oh, you got someone sneaking behind you there. I know. My daughter, she does this every Wednesday. She doesn't just walk past. It's Assassin's like Creed, man. She's coming to get you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's something I had to learn, uh, especially back in the 90s when I was trying to still find myself. I got caught up into the whole, oh, uh, everyone has to draw like Jim Lee or mm. everyone has to draw like Mar Silvestri. You know, let me alter my style to fit that zeitgeist of what's going on. And you can lose yourself. And, mm -hmm. and, and it's also a huge mistake to do to begin with. So to answer the question, like Robert said, don't think too hard. Just go with, go with what already entertains you, what's in your heart, and let the rest of it fall in place naturally. Mm, you have to everything you do, total confidence um, in that you like it yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and that will that will translate to 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 everyone else eventually yeah jibam anything to add to that um yeah uh so in the beginning of my career just like uh keith and you know we all want to be we all try to mimic our favorite artists in the beginning until mm -hmm. we find our own voice right and um just like robert said as well it's like in the beginning, what I came to realize is like, you have no fans while you're creating something out of thin air. Mm -hmm. The only fan you have to satisfy is yourself. That is true. Satisfy yourself. And you think, and, and, and you have put out that thing that you don't, don't think exists. If you did it well enough, um, other people will pick up what you're laying down, right? And so in the beginning, what motivated me was faith, all right? Mm -hmm. 20 some years into this game um, where I am now uh, in the industry, being independent, it's about legacy. Mm. Okay. Love yeah. it. Love it. Gentlemen, this has been yes. such an amazing show. Um, yes, thank man. you so much for each being here. I knew it was going to be a great show um, and you all did not disappoint. Um, thank you so much to everybody out there watching. Uh, we are, it's the first of the month next week, which means Indie Comics Dispatch and Friends Night, which means it's not going to be nearly as knowledgeable as tonight. No, no. <laughs> um, it's just going to be wild and us attempting not to get kicked off of social media. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tune in next Wednesday night for a completely different show. Um, Nope. Uh, but uh, Jibba, Keith, and Robert, thank you guys so thank much you. for being here tonight. Uh, to everybody out there, we will be here again next Wednesday, 8.30 Eastern. Um, if you uh, are out there and you're like, hey, I like podcasts, there's a podcast version of the show. Go back and re-listen to it um, on all the major podcasting platforms, even iHeartRadio now. And mm -hmm. um, nice. uh, take check it out. Um, there's some gold that's been dropped here tonight oh, yeah. and you you need you need to listen to this show i'm gonna listen to this show two or three I, times i just say get, like i was saying earlier take notes this is the show you want to listen to get out your notepad get out your pencil yep. your pen your sharpie whatever's your favorite writing tool and take some notes because this was a lot of knowledge dropped tonight so well, thanks for having us yeah, yeah thank thanks you, for being here thank you and thank you to indie comics dispatch y'all keep doing Y'all doing the Lord's work. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Y'all are killing it. It's Thank just you. like every time I look up on IG, I'm just like, oh, new review. And, you know, can I just say something real quick? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I really, you know, I've been kind of behind the scenes um, pet peeve in this. I, I, more shows like this need to be more 
proactive and prominent and featuring indie artists because mm -hmm. there is that there, there is that element mm -hmm. that's going to get us to the next level where we're all trying to go i mean there needs to be a media component to the ending scene that people uh respect remember wizard you remember the days of wizard yeah, yeah. remember that yeah, yeah. That was what yeah. that was. I mean, you, you looked at oh, here's the top ten such and such books and top ten artists and all this other stuff. It there needs to be, and I'm not saying your show wasn't that, but um, right now I see a lot of these um, podcast folks out there regurgitating stuff that everybody already saw. Yeah, the, yeah. The yeah, yeah. And that's why we, we are launching Indie Comics News this month mm -hmm. or next yep. month on IndieComicsDispatch.com. We have a whole website behind it that we are dedicated to doing that, to Just, doing it and making a bigger, better indie comic community for everybody. It's funny you, you know? mentioned it. It's funny you mentioned the count, the, the top, because that's coming too. So it's funny yep. you mentioned that because that's coming too. So yeah. I, I know. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's absolute fact, mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's a conversation starter and yeah right and, and, and yeah that was one of our biggest things we wanted to do we wanted to make sure that because we said the same thing when when brad and i got together after we left another show that goes our <laughs> name uh but we sat down we was like indie that's it that's mm -hmm. all we mm -hmm. want to talk about you know yeah. black you know black creators indie creators as a whole and yeah. also put black creators for it too yeah, truth yeah, be know, told, so. now, now truth be told even in the the indie scene is what's popping right now. Oh yeah, most yeah. definitely. Not just you know black creator, but indie mm -hmm. in general is what. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Awesome. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. was trying to get a closing word in here. Uh -oh. Like I was saying with the whole notion of the comics, the comics are hip hop paradigm, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, as much as we are. Uh, as I say, visual MCs and literary DJs, we also need the crowd controllers and we need the quote-unquote digital radio to get it out there. Yes, so, yes. you know, Brett and yep. Tier, you know, yep. they're doing their part, you know, they're they're being uh, Bobito, you know, out there, they're being... <laughs> thing. Man, that's a, that's all that. <laughs> Best compliment we've gotten, Tier. I know, right? <laughs> no, like I said, y'all are... <laughs> You know what I mean? That I mean that's the that's the real deal of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. And like straight up, you know, some of the other podcasts, Keith, and you're absolutely right. I don't watch that stuff. I don't care about regurgitating what happened on Wandavision. I saw Wandavision. I got my. <laughs> you no, know, is like what's popping in the quote unquote underground. Right. I'm a backpacker. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Like yeah. tribe roots all day. The indie version or the comics version of Yo MTV Raps because yeah 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 so many rappers from different regions. I had a thought on that, and I I have an idea for that. You said all kinds. Oh man, yeah, we'll we'll talk. That's the that's that's dope. That's a yeah. Everybody out there watching, we're going to take this conversation behind the scenes now. Tune in next week, guys. Again, wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for carving out time on this Wednesday to be on the dispatch and to talk indie comics and black comics in particular. Everybody out there watching, thank you for watching. And you, you're you're why we do this. Um, to keep keep getting creators like this out there to you, um, so that you can a buy their work and support their Kickstarter. Um, and spread the word. Spread the word. Like I say in my post. Share if you dare. 
That's what mm-hmm. I say in my posts all the time. So dare to share. And and do more than just take a business card. Support these creators. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stop that, stop that business card stuff. <laughs> so long, everybody. Take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> Why are you still listening? It's the end of the podcast. But since you listen to the whole thing, since you're still here at the end. As this podcast ends, as you exit out of the episode, why don't you give us a rating? And if you're not following or subscribing to us yet, go ahead and do that too. As I said at the beginning of the show, it helps a lot and you'll be doing the dispatch a big favor. 